You're listening to Bad Habits, a sermon series about some of the destructive behaviors that can hurt us. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, so that's all the announcements I got, so let's get to the message. We're in a series. We're actually wrapping up our series today that we've been in for a few weeks called uh, Bad Habits, Bad Habits, and hopefully you are aware that we all have some bad habits. Now, I know there are some people here who are saying, oh, no, 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 not me. I don't have bad habits. And if that's you, you're delusional, and we're still glad that you're here, okay? Uh, we all have some bad habits. We do. And so what we've been doing in the series is praying a prayer that David prayed in Psalm 139, verses 20, 22 through 23, 23 through 24, when he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. As we continue in this year, what we've been doing is we've been asking God to search our hearts. We've been asking God to point out anything in us that is offensive to him. We've been asking God to point out any of the bad habits in our life that we really need to get rid of. And the reason why we've been doing that is because we want God to lead us along the path of everlasting life. And so in this this series, the first week, we talked about lying. Uh, the second week, we talked about gossip. The third week, last week, we talked about lust. If you missed any of those, uh, they're available for you to listen to online. And, and this week, we're going to talk about a habit that I'm sure that nobody in this room struggles with, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Today, we're going to talk about anger. Anger. Now, how many of you know somebody who gets angry? Don't point. They might punch you. You know, they'll get angry. Don't point. Uh, but we all know people who get angry. We all know people who struggle with anger. I remember one time I went down to the McDonald's, and I was down there at McDonald's. I'm waiting in line to place my order, and obviously there's this lady who had already ordered because she was getting her food on that tray, and so she gets her food, and she goes back to her seat, you know, and so I'm getting ready to order, and that woman, she walks, she, she marches back up here to the, to the counter, and you can tell she's mad, you know what I mean? I don't know if they messed up her order. Obviously they did because she had her hamburger. I don't know if they put like mayonnaise on it or pickles on it but she's like excuse me excuse me and like everybody that works there knows that this is fixing to be trouble you know so they're trying not to make eye contact they're they're trying not to help this woman and so finally finally some some girl comes over there and she's like yes and she said y'all messed up my hamburger and she said I'm sorry about that I'm sorry about that we'll make it right so they give her a new hamburger and so she goes back to her seat and I'm getting ready to order my food well obviously they messed up this new hamburger they gave her because, man, this time, she looked like a Clydesdale horse, man. She was, like, walking. She was marching up there, and she was shaking her head. You know what I mean? And she was, like, she was yelling. Man, I had never seen somebody get so mad about food. I thought, man, somebody needs to give that lady a Snickers because she's hungry, you know? <laughs> and so, man, I really had never seen anything like that. And, and, I mean, one time I was watching the, the animal planet, you know, and I saw this grizzly bear, like, at a river, and all these fish were jumping, and he was trying to catch those fish, and he couldn't. I mean, and that bear got angry, you know? Well, that's what this woman looked like. Oh, was my hamburger. I was like, oh my goodness, man, that lady needs to chill out. But we've all been places where we've seen someone just get angry. We've all been there. And truthfully, we've all probably had some situations in our life, some things happen, where we got a little too angry. And anger is one of those things in our life that's really easy 
for us to justify. We think, well, if this person hadn't done that to me, or if this person hadn't done this to me, or if this person hadn't said, said that or said this, we wouldn't be so angry. Some people even say, well, this is just the way I deal with things. Some people say, this is just the way God made me. This is just who I am. God made me to punch holes in my wall. God made me to punch holes in my door. God made me to throw stuff. That's just who I am. That's just how I am. We, we try to justify our anger. Some people even say that Jesus got angry, and he did. He got angry, man. In John chapter 2, Jesus rolls up to the temple, man, and when he gets there, people are selling sheep. They're selling cattle. There are people sitting at a table just exchanging currency and doing all this stuff, and the Bible says in John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, the Bible says, so he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Come on, man. This is, this is the behavior of somebody who is angry. Am I right? Like if you went to Walmart after church today and you go in there and there's this madman running up and down the aisles with a whip, you know, driving everybody out of there, throwing cash registers. You wouldn't look at that guy and say, he's having such a great day. You wouldn't do that. You say, that dude is angry. Well, Jesus, man, he is angry. He is running out the sheep. He is running out the cattle. Man, everybody is running. Picture this scene. And the Bible says this in verse 16. He says this, to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Notice that exclamation mark. Stop turning my father's house into a market. There it is again. Notice that exclamation mark. Jesus was angry. And so some people say, well... If Jesus can do that, I can do that. Because aren't we supposed to be like Jesus, right? No, 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 no. You got to understand. You can't, you can't do that. See, Jesus was angry about sin. Jesus didn't struggle with the sin of anger, okay? And there are two types of anger. There's a righteous anger, uh, an anger which accomplishes the will of God, uh, anger that can be really used to be productive and do productive things. But then there's an unrighteous anger. There's a human anger. In James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, say this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We need to be slow to anger. Everybody say slow. Slow. We need to be slow to anger. See, see you're going to get angry. In this world, you're, you're going to get angry, but you just need to be slow in getting there. The apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26, he says, in your anger, do not sin. In other words, you're going to get angry. Things are going to happen that upset you. Things are going to happen that don't go your way. Things aren't going to work out the way that you wanted them to. You are going to get angry. But he says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not, the, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And he goes on to say, and do not give the devil a foothold. A foothold. What does that mean? Give the devil a foothold. Well, if you look up the Greek, what you're going to see is that that word actually means a location. It means, it literally means 
a room, a room. Now, how many of you, you, you like cats? You love cats. People out there, some cat lovers. Man, I hate cats. I'm just going to tell you, I don't like cats. Because they're weird, man, you know? They'll be purring all of a sudden, and you'll go to pet them, and then they're like, Meow! they'll try to kill you, and then they'll just go right back to purring. You don't understand what's going on. Man, man, but there are some people who, who like cats, and that's okay if that's you. It's just not me. Uh, but some people, man, if you've got a cat, or if you've got cats, you've got something called a litter box. Everybody knows what a litter box is, right? A litter box is where you hope that that cat goes to the bathroom, right? And when you get a litter box, you put that litter box in a certain room. It could be your laundry room. It might be your bathroom. You don't know. People put it in different rooms all over, you know, depending on who you are. But if you've got a cat and you've got that litter box, if you don't give that litter box regular attention, if you don't, pretty soon, that litter box is going to let you know that it's there. Am I right? Even if you use Fresh Step, it's going to let you know that it is there. There's going to be this smell. There's going to be this aroma that doesn't just stay in that room where you've got the litter box. That smell will eventually seep out into other areas of your house. And that smell will eventually get on your furniture. And that that, that smell will get on your clothes, and pretty soon your entire house will be stank. You know what I mean? That is bad. You know, well, anger, when not dealt with properly, gives the devil a room, a room in your heart. And if you don't get it out, if you don't deal with it, anger won't just stay in that one room. It will spread just like that bad smell, and it will affect other areas of your heart. Because the devil, the devil doesn't, doesn't want just one spot in your heart or one spot in my heart. The devil wants to come in, and he wants to take that thing over. Giving anger a place in your heart gives him an opportunity to take over. So how do we deal with anger? Well, first, I want you to see the two types of ways that people People uh, usually respond in anger. If you're keeping notes, you want to write these down. Two ways people uh, tend to, to deal with anger. The first one is this. You've got, you've got the spewers. The spewers. You know what I mean? The spewers. Everybody say spewers. It's a fun word. Uh, and so what spewers do is they express their anger. They express their anger. And that's probably a nice way to put it. Uh, realistically, they probably erupt or they probably explode, you know what I mean? They spew. You say, oh yeah, that's me. That's what, that's what I do. I explode over every little thing. I just blow up. What's wrong with that? Well, if that's you, I want you to know that the Bible says that you are a fool. Don't be mad at me. I, I didn't write the Bible. I just read it. Get mad at God, okay? That's what, that's what God said, okay? Here's what Proverbs chapter 29 verse 11 says. Watch this. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. If you are the kind of person that always goes around venting their anger, expressing their anger, spewing their anger, the Bible calls you a fool with a capital F. With a capital F, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17, the Bible says this, a quick-tempered person, a quick-tempered person does foolish things. Come on, be honest. How many of you have ever been angry and you've done something foolish? You've done something foolish. How many Alabama fans out there? Not like the band, Song, Song of the South. Sweet. Y'all know that? Anyway, some of y'all don't know nothing about no Alabama. Me neither. I don't really like them. Uh, but I'm talking about the Crimson Tide. How many Crimson Tide fans out there? Yeah, I know some of them here. They're still outside serving in the security. But I know there's a lot of people that like, like Crimson Tide, and my heart breaks for you, okay? 
It really does. Better luck next year. Man, uh, I, I was watching a video. I was watching a video on Facebook of, this, of the way this guy responds to uh, his team losing. And when Alabama lost, man, he walks right up to his television and he punches that thing. Anybody else see that? He punches that thing, man. The screen shatters. I mean, there's just all these colors and stuff. I was going, what an idiot. Because, man, for real, I hope that was his television. Because if he was at my house and he did that, I'd have had to catch him outside. You know what I'm saying? How about that? I mean, we'd have been fighting, right? Somebody said I wouldn't put it in a sermon, but I did. Boom. Boom. I'm sitting here watching this guy, and I'm going, what an idiot. Why would you do that? That is foolish. That is foolish. See, I know that you guys have probably heard of a guy by the name of Moses. Moses is the guy who God spoke to through a burning bush. Moses is the guy who God used to lead the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt. Well, when the Israelites were wandering around, basically in the desert, they ran out of water. And everybody's complaining to Moses. They're like, why did you bring us out here? Why did you bring us out here? Did you bring us out here to die? Man, we should have stayed in Egypt. Things were good there. Never mind we were slaves. We should have stayed there. So they're, they're complaining, and it upsets Moses. So Moses goes to God, and he's telling God what's going on. And here's what God tells Moses in Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 12. The Bible says this, God says, take the staff and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together, speak to the rock. Speak. Everybody say speak. Speak to the rock. God says, speak to the rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he had commanded. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. Now, wait, 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 wait. What did God tell Moses to do to the rock? Speak. And what did Moses do? He struck it. See, I don't think he just, he just tapped it. The Bible says he raised his arm. You know what I mean? And he took that staff and he, sh- he struck that rock twice, twice. Moses was angry. And you know what happened because Moses spewed his anger? You got to see this in verse 12. The Bible says this, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, because you acted in anger. Because you acted in anger, because you acted in a way that did not honor me, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Moses wasn't able to go into the promised land because he spewed his anger. Because he spewed his anger. It really is true that a quick-tempered person does foolish things. And some of you know that because you've gotten upset about things in the past. And you have spewed your anger all over people all around you. And you've done a lot of damage to the relationships that you have. You've you've spewed your anger and you've basically left a trail of dead bodies all around you. Again, there are people and the way they deal with it is they spew their anger. So, you got spewers. And the next group I want you to see this morning, if you're taking notes and you want to write it down, are the stewers. 
the stewers, right? You got the spewers who express their anger, and the stewers, what they do is they don't express their anger up front. They suppress their anger. They suppress their anger. They, 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 they really do. They suppress it. So uh, you may not be like me, but I like Coke. I really do. And uh, uh, Coca-Cola Classic. Coca-Cola Classic. I don't want to buy a gossip about me. Somebody, all right, Pastor at Elevate, he's on Coke. Coca-Cola Classic, okay? I like that stuff. So I like, I like Coca-Cola I like Coke. I like Coca-Cola Classic. Anyway, uh, but I can't necessarily, I have to regulate my caffeine caffeine intake because uh, I'll get real wired and my blood pressure goes crazy. So I, I usually buy that caffeine-free Coke. But anybody else, how many of y'all like, like the Coke? Anybody like Coca-Cola? You like Coca-Cola? Okay, great. Uh, and so uh, have, you ever, have, you ever, have you ever done something like this? Have you ever you know, got a Coke can? You're with somebody. They're like, hey, man, go get me a drink. And so you, you get that Coke, you know? And you shake it up, you know what I mean? And you shake that Coke up, and, and you say, yeah, here, I got you a Coke. And, you know, you're over there going, because <laughs> you know what's about to happen, right? And so they, and it's just all over them. We laugh. It's funny, right? It's funny when you do it to somebody else, but it's not funny when somebody does it to you. Am I right? Right? And so when you, when you shake this Coke up, when you shake it up and then you open it, man, the mess, it's all fun and games until you got to clean up the mess, right? It feels good. <laughs> But then when you got to clean up that mess, right, it, it, it's, just, it's, just real, it's just real bad, man. Once that, that, that top pops, again, it's a, a mess. Well, stewards, what they actually do is they're, they're just like this Coke that gets shook up. Something happens in their life. Somebody says something that they don't like, and instead of dealing with it properly, they let all this pressure build up. They let all this pressure build up. It's cooking, it's cooking, it's cooking, it's shaking, and the person that they actually have a problem with might not even realize that there's a problem, you know? But when the person you have a problem with walks into your presence, you know what I mean? You're just like, anybody know what I'm talking about? Just seeing them hurts your, hurts your heart. Then from, from then on out, everything that they do, man, it's just oh, in your mind, it's just the worst. You read the worst into it, right? And it's just shake, it's just shake, it's just shaking. And all of a sudden, you know, y'all thought I was going to do it, didn't you? You thought I was going to do it. I ain't going to do it, man. I ain't going to do it. But it's just shake and shake and shake. They let it stew. And eventually what happens is it leads to this knockdown, drag out fight. I want you to see an example of this in God's Word. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells one of his most uh, familiar parables. It's the parable of the lost son. And in that parable, what happens is one, this, this father has two sons. And one of his sons goes to his father and he says, Father, I hate you. I hate this house. I hate your rules. I wish that you were dead. And he basically says, you know what? In fact, why don't you give me what's coming to me now? Why don't you give me what I should get when you die because you're already dead to me? If this was my kid talking to me like this, I'd have punched him in the throat in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? But this father says, okay, okay, okay. And he, and he gives everything. He gives to his son what he would have got when, when he passes away. You know what the son does with it? He goes out and he wastes it. 
The Bible says that he squanders his wealth in wild living. He's thinking, you know what? You only live once, man. And so he's got all these friends because he's paying for everything. He's got all these friends because they're like, man, we get around this guy and man, he's just hooking us up. But the money runs out. And when the money runs out, you know what happens to all the friends? They're gone. They're gone. And this man has really burned a bridge with his family. And he doesn't have any other family that he can go to. And so he says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to take a job. And so he takes a job actually feeding pigs. And he is so starved. He is so hungry that he looks at the food that he is feeding these pigs. He looks at the pig slop. And he thinks, man, that looks so good. That looks so good. Folks, have you ever seen pig slop? If I had to compare it to something, I'd say that it looked like vomit, right? Looked like throw up. Man, you've got to be hard up for that to be appealing to you. Either that or your own drugs, right? I've never known anybody that saw somebody throw up and say, Ooh, I don't think I'd like some of that. That's nasty. But here this guy is. He's looking at this pig slop. He's like, man, I want it. I want it. But he comes to his senses is what the Bible says. He comes to his senses and he thinks, you know what? Things were good when I was back home. I've really messed up with my father. I've really messed up. And so he says, hey, you know what? I'll go back and I'll apologize to my dad. And he might not accept me back as a son, but maybe he'll let me come back as a hired servant. And so he goes back and the father sees his son a long way off. And the father actually doesn't wait on the son to come to him. The father runs to the son. He embraces his son. He says, man, this son of mine who was lost is now found. Let's throw a party. Let's have a feast. It's an amazing story about grace. But there's another character in that story that we don't always look at. It's the other brother. The other brother, the brother who didn't ask for his inheritance early. The brother who stayed home. The brother who did what he was supposed to do. The brother who obviously didn't like the choices that his younger brother was making. And so this brother sees this, this, this other brother who made all these jacked up choices come home. And he sees him getting special treatment. And I want you to see what the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 28. Everybody's inside. They're having a party. And here's what verse 28 says. The older brother became angry. He became angry and he refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, you notice that exclamation point? Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who have squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Folks, this is a guy who is angry. This is someone who has suppressed his anger for so long, has suppressed his anger instead of dealing with it properly and messed up. Man, see, here's the thing, is that if you don't, if you don't handle the anger that happens in your life right, pretty soon... It's going to come out. But before anger hurts somebody else, it's going to hurt you. 
It's going to hurt you. It's going to mess you up on the inside. So if we don't need to be spewers and we don't need to be stewers, what, what do we need to do then? What do, what do we do with our anger? Well, here's an interesting thought. Fifteen times in the Word of God, anger is compared to fire. And fire is pretty interesting. Fire is necessary for life. We use fire to heat our houses. We use fire to cook our food. We use fire for a whole lot of, a, a whole lot of things. Fire really is a, a good thing. But on the flip side, if you don't use fire properly, you can actually burn your house down. You can burn up everything in your house. So fire is necessary and productive, but at the same time, it's dangerous and destructive. In anger, again, it's the same way. So how do we deal with it? How do we deal with it? Well, we got to remember the words of James chapter 1, again, verses 19 through 20. We've already looked at it. Check this out. The Bible says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Write this down. Listen to what I'm telling you, he says. This is important. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The solution is to be slow to anger. See, the truth is, some of the stuff that we get angry about is stupid. It is. I know in my own life, I'll be sitting on the couch trying to use the remote control, and the batteries in the remote control are dying. Anybody ever been there? And you're, you're hit. Come on now. Give me a little bit. You're turning them back. Anybody else live where I live? Just me? Some of y'all lying in church. We had a ser- ser- series about this a couple weeks ago. Man, I'll get mad at that remote. Is that really a big deal, though? No. Because I remember when I was a kid, you actually had to walk over to a TV and turn a knob. You might know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are like, what? Really? Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? That's how, that's how it was. But I'll get mad about it. It's not a big deal. It's stupid. Sometimes I'll go out to eat at a restaurant, and I'll get mad because somebody who sat down after me gets their food before me. Anybody ever been there? You get mad. You get mad. Is it really a big deal? No, we're not starving. None of us. None of us are starving. We can wait a little bit longer. Again, a lot of stuff that happens to you and to me that just gets our blood pressure up, it's dumb. The Bible says we need to be slow to anger. Slow to anger. Because when we're slow to anger, I want you to realize that we're becoming like God. When we're slow to anger, we're becoming like God. Psalm 103 verse 8 says this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 17 says, but you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Love. There are seven books in the Word of God that the Word of God that talk about how God is slow to anger. Now it doesn't say he doesn't get angry. It just says he's slow to get angry. We've got to learn in our own lives that we need to be slow to anger. That means we've got to learn to give people the benefit of the doubt. That means that we've got to learn to just let some things that happen in our life go. And I'm not telling you the things that happen in your life aren't big deals. We've just got to be slow to anger. You say, well, I tried. 
I tried to be slow. I tried to give that person the benefit of the doubt. I tried to let it go. Well, maybe. Maybe. Maybe you did. But maybe you didn't. Maybe you just think you did. See, I'm wrapping up, but think about this. Did you know that each and every one of us deserve God's wrath? We deserve God's anger. Each and every one of us have blown it numerous times. Too many times to count. Each and every one of us have made some serious mistakes. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And our sin, what it does is it separates us from a holy God. But instead of just sending us to hell like we deserve, God doesn't do that. God didn't do that. God, in His grace, He sent us Jesus Christ. He sent His only Son. He didn't give us rage. He gave us mercy. He didn't give us revenge. He showed us love. And that's humanity mocked the Son of God as humanity spit in the face of Jesus Christ, as humanity beat a crown of thorns deep into his scalp, as they beat Jesus with a cat of nine tails, a wooden handle with nine leather strips that had glass and bone and metal woven into it, as they beat Jesus with that rod, and it would tear into his, his flesh and rip it from its bone. As, as they did that to Jesus, as they stripped him down, as they forced him to carry a cross naked, and as, as they nailed him to that cross, the Bible says that at that moment, Jesus' appearance was so jacked up, he didn't even look like a human. He looked more like an animal. We might say he looked like something that had been run over several times times. He was so jacked up. Folks, all that was done by our hands, our sin. Folks, imagine if that was your child. Well, God didn't intervene, and he didn't give us what we deserved, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that he was slow to anger. I'm thankful that Jesus was slow to anger. As Jesus hung on that cross and all the people who had done all this to him were right in front of him. He didn't say, God, please give, get them back for what they've done to me. He didn't say, God, pour out your wrath on them. He didn't say, God, they deserve to die. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Jesus was slow to anger and rich in love. Slow to anger and rich in love. Slow to anger and rich in love. When you and I are slow to anger and rich in love, we reflect the character of our Heavenly Father. And so if that's when we reflect the character of our Heavenly Father, think about whose character we reflect when we have our outbursts of anger, fits of rage. Anger is a root. It's something that the devil literally wants to use 
to destroy you and destroy me. So is anger a bad habit that you need to kick this year? Is it a habit that's not only messing you up, but it's messing up the relationships that you have with other people? If so, I want you to know that God can help you kick that habit. Really, do you have the courage to pray the prayer that David prayed in Psalm 139 when he said, Search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. What bad habit is it that God is telling you you need to get rid of. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. But how many of you here today would just say, you know what, Pastor? I do have a problem with anger. Pastor, I want you to pray for me. If that's you, I'm just going to ask right where you are that you lift your hand. It's a lot of us. A lot of us. A lot of us have let a lot of little things bother us. And a lot of us just really haven't been as slow to anger as we need to be. And Father, I pray for those who have raised their hand. I pray that you truly help them reflect your heart and your character. Help them to be slow to anger because in doing so, they're going to represent you in a way that's going to bring you glory and honor. I also wonder today if there's people in this room and you think that God is angry at you. Maybe because of something you did in your past. Maybe because of, of something that you thought. And you just think that God is so angry at you and that God could never love you, I want you to know today that that is not true. And just like that father in that story of the prodigal son, how he ran to his son when he came home, I want you to know today that Jesus wants to run to you. And so if you know today that you need to receive Jesus, you need to give him your heart, you need to give him your life, you know you need to be saved right where you are. I'm going to ask that you lift your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything embarrassing. Amen. 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 You know you need to be saved. You think God doesn't love you. You think God is angry at you, but I'm here today to tell you that he loves you. He loves you. And he wants you to give him your heart and your life. If that's you, right where you are, I'm going to ask that you pray. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Come into my heart. Take control. Make me a new person. Today I confess you as Lord and Savior. I receive you into my heart. Father, thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you for loving me. Father, help me to get past my past so that I can live the life that you want me to live right now. Thank you for saving me. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms.
so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.